focus in on this morning, just kind of, just kind of massage our thoughts, if you will. That's, that's the, 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 the idea that there is a place of peace in this story. There is a posture of peace in this story. The place of Simeon's peace, the posture of Simeon's peace, the, the promise or the proclamation rather of Simeon's peace. And then lastly, the promise of our peace. Because a lot of this story is about Simeon's peace, but it's also about our peace. So I want to I want to spend a little time talking about our peace as we as we wrap up this morning. But Simeon Simeon's story begins actually with Mary, it begins with Joseph, it begins with Jesus, the baby, the newborn baby. His story is his story is inseparably entangled and wrapped into their story, and he. <laughs> The place where this encounter begins, the place of peace, is the temple. The place where Simeon finds peace is the temple. In verse 22 and verse 24, we see that it is during a time of purification and a time of dedication that Mary and Joseph, in obedience to the law of God, make their way to Jerusalem, to the temple. So if you read there in verse 22 with me, it says, And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. This offering was an atonement. This offering, so two things were happening. Purification 
dedication. Purification, dedication. As it relates to purification, there needed to be an offering made on behalf of Mary. Mary's atonement was what the offering was for. This offering of two pigeons or two turtle doves. See, the way the law was written in Leviticus chapter 12, that there, there was a period after birth in which the woman was declared unclean. In fact, in Leviticus chapter 12, verse 1, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, If a woman conceives and bears a male child, then she shall be unclean seven days. As at the time of her menstruation, she shall be unclean. And on the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. And then she shall continue for 33 days. And the blood of her purifies. She shall not touch anything holy, nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purifying are complete. And it goes on and it skips down. When you skip down into verse 6, it says, And when the days of her purifying are completed, whether for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting a lamb, a year old for a burnt offering, and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. He shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her. Then she shall be clean from the floor of her blood. This is the law for her who bears a child, either male or female. And if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons. One for a burnt offering, the other for a sin offering. The priest shall make atonement for her and she shall be clean. And so this was, this was Mary's sacrifice for atonement. Forty days after the birth of Jesus, Mary was bringing, along with her husband Joseph, these two turtle doves to be sacrificed. One as a burnt offering, one as a sin offering. <laughs> Take notice that Mary and Joseph don't offer a lamb. Take notice that Mary and Joseph offer instead two turtle doves for Mary's atonement. A sacrifice made only when a lamb is not affordable. See, Christ from the beginning enters the world through the lowliest of positions. And from the lowliest of homes. Coming through the lineage of a family with limited means, not a whole lot of money. Bringing the wealth of salvation that's sufficient to save the entire world and yet doing it through a poor family. Truth be told, and most of us saw this family, this family that's at the temple right now, they would be unremarkable to us. If most of us saw this family, we wouldn't look to befriend them, we wouldn't look to engage them, we wouldn't even have much time for them. And yet Simeon notices them. Because see, Simeon isn't looking at this family the same way you and I would look at them. Not only does Simeon notice them, but Simeon has been prolonging death to see them at this place. Nevertheless, not only is a sacrifice made for Mary's atonement, but a ceremony of dedication for the child is performed. And so this is a throwback to the days of Exodus where, where Moses continued to go to Pharaoh saying, let my people go, let my people go, let my people go. And Pharaoh continued to, re uh, to refuse and rebel against God's ordinance or against God's command. And so eventually, eventually, Pharaoh or Moses says, all right. God says, okay. The firstborn in Egypt, the angel of death shall pass through. And if there is not blood on the doorpost, they shall be slain. And there was great mourning on that day because of Pharaoh's rebellion. But one of the things that happens in particular is 
God makes, make, establishes, establishes an order, establishes a command that from then on, all the firstborn of Israel shall be dedicated to him. They shall be considered holy unto him. And so this is a ceremony of purification, but it's a ceremony of dedication. This is their firstborn, Jesus. And so this firstborn must be dedicated to God in obedience to the law of Moses. Now, a few interesting points we got to make about this place of peace. The purification. This child is a child that, 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 that Mary is being purified on behalf of the birth of this child. But this is a child that will ensure that poor mothers will never, ever again have to bring turtle doves to the temple to be declared clean. This is a child that will be the lamb that the poor mothers couldn't afford. And through his sacrifice, they will all be made clean and no longer have to wait a period of 40 days to be declared such. As it relates to dedication, however, this is a child that they are offering up to God as their firstborn. And yet he was already before the foundation of the world considered his own. They didn't even have to offer him up out of obedience to the law. Of course, they offered him up. But the reality is, is that he was already his. That from the, before the foundations of the world, he was declared the very only begotten son of God, the Father. They're dedicating him to him, but he already belongs to him. But as it relates to the temple, this child will ensure that there is no longer a need to enter this place. The ceremonies, the sacrifices, they all point back to him. They all find their fulfillment in him. When he dies, the temple curtain is rent, rent into two. Because of this child, this place will no longer be needed in order to be near God. This child will bring us to God. And so this is the place, this is the perfect place for peace to be established because everything they have gathered in this place is fulfilled in the child they have brought. To this place. This is the source of Simeon's peace. But it wasn't just a place that led to Simeon's peace. As he's in this place, he realizes the significance of this child. But it wasn't just the place, it was the posture that led to Simeon's peace. See, it says in verse 25, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms. Simeon was committing to, committed to pursuing God's righteousness and he was devoted to a life serving the Lord. And this desire to walk with God and this devotion to God's glory shaped and informed his longing. Because he was righteous, pursuing righteousness, because he was pursuing service and devotion to God, his longing was the consolation of Israel. What's consolation means? It means in the midst of suffering that comfort would be brought. So his longing was that in the midst of the suffering of his people, that the one who had been promised to, to come that would bring comfort would finally arrive. That's what he longed. But folks, it was his walk that shaped and informed his longing. 
Simeon's peaceful death comes as a result of God's sovereignty working in the midst of obedience as well. See, he's on a, he's on a road just being obedient to God. Mary and Joseph are on a road just simply being obedient to God, right? What seems like a chance encounter between Simeon and Jesus' family happens because both of them are where they're supposed to be. This peaceful death comes in part because of Simeon's staying in the will of God. Who knows how long he's been hearing these words of promise and waiting? Who knows how long he's been routinely operating in the mundane, going to the temple? Promise that before you die, you're going to see him. Going to the temple, you're going to see him. Going to the temple, you're going to see him. How long before you say, ah, forget it, I probably won't see him. And yet he continues to go. Who knows how long he's been hearing these words of promise, but yet he continues to routinely obey in the mundane rhythms of life. See, a lot of us resist obedience in the mundane while telling ourselves that when the big moment arrives, we'll obey. When something important happens, then I'll obey. But as we see with this encounter, sometimes God's biggest moments for our lives are established in the mundane. Many times God's biggest moments for our lives are hidden behind the curtains of ordinary obedience. Just simply walking the route that he's called you to walk. A lot of us are waiting for extravagant moments to obey, but if we would just obey in the mundane, we would find ourselves in the will of God. God's will, of, God's will for our lives is found in mundane, ordinary, worshipful obedience, which is where we find both Mary and Joseph and Jesus in this moment and Simeon. And what he is waiting for all of his life comes as a result of him just following the course that God had him on all along. Simeon doesn't have the experience of the shepherds, does he? Where an angel appears and says, he's here. Go see him. Simeon is just operating in the ordinary mundane life that he's been given. And he finds what he's been looking for all his life. So Simeon, when he sees Jesus, this, this proclamation of blessing, verse 4. Simeon in this passage offers two blessings to two different families, actually. Because this child is both God and man. And so his divine is, is, he is divine, and yet he is wrapped in human flesh. So during his life, he would refer to himself as not only the son of man, but also the son of God. So upon seeing this child that he has waited ages for, Simeon takes the child in his arms, and the first blessing of thanksgiving and praise goes to the child's first family, God the Father. Lord, in verse 29, he says, Now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. As he holds this child in his arms, he says, Now I can finally leave. Simeon speaks as a man with an unsettling anxiousness that's been finally settled, right? How long has he been holding on to this promise of God that was spoken to him by the Spirit of God? 
the promise heard that he would not die until he saw the Savior of the world. A man who had been waiting on that which seemed like it would never come and yet continually faithfully served and worshiped God only to find himself in this seemingly random moment see the promise that God had fulfilled or see the promise God made to him fulfilled. His eyes had finally seen the promise Christ. He finally could die in peace as God had promised. But why could he die in peace? That's what the next few scriptures tell us. Why would he have died in peace? Would he have died in peace rather if he saw one of our children born? Would he have died in peace if he saw Elijah born or Asher born or Taiwan born? Would he, would he have died if one of our children were born? No, it was his, it wasn't the fondness of children that brought him peace. Would he have died if he possibly saw Jay-Z and Beyonce's twin kids born this year. Or Kanye and Kim's little girl, Northwest, which is a real name. Would he have died if he saw her born? No. It's not what, it wasn't celebrity, it wasn't fanaticism, it wasn't or passion for a celebrity connection or pursuit of fame that drove his peace. It was this child. And what this child meant for Israel, what this child meant for the world, what this child meant for eternity that brought Simeon peace. Listen to the words of Simeon's blessing to God as he gives the deeper reasons for this peace that has now engulfed his soul. He says in verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. That's why I can die now. Because my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. My eyes have witnessed your light that will bring revelation to the Gentiles that are in darkness. That's why I can die in peace. My eyes have witnessed your light that will bring glory to those who are of true Israel. That's why I can die in peace. The glory of true Israel is kind of like SEC fans, like Mississippi State fans that are uh, cheering SEC, SEC, SEC when Alabama wins the uh, wins the championship. It's like we're not really, we shouldn't be getting credit, but just because we're a part of the conference, we take credit. And that's kind of how the glory of Israel is. It's like he's one of ours, right? And so there is glory to be found in just the fact that he came through Israel's line, even though they really should be taking credit for it. But nevertheless, there is glory to be had in just saying he's one of ours. And so Simeon is saying this one is the light that bring that has been established for glory to Israel. And this one is the light that's been established for revelation to the outsiders, to the Gentiles. That's why I can die in peace. My eyes have seen your salvation that has been prepared in the presence of all people for all people. That's why I can die in peace. See, in Simeon's blessing to God the Father, we see that Simeon's excitement is, in fact, that salvation has come for all. Simeon's excitement is in the fact that righteousness is certain to be fully established now on the earth. That the suffering of this world is going to eventually come to an end. That eternity is certain to be offered to those that place their trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. That the eternal light has come to shine once and for all into the darkness. And that's not just for him. 
that he's excited, that it's for all people that this peace is established. Simeon's delight is not merely inward focused, right? His delight is externally focused. His delight is not just what this moment means for him. It's, it's, it's what this moment means for the world. It's what this moment means for us. All that this child has come to establish, all the comfort that this child has come to bring, all the salvation that this child has come to deliver. When our intaking of the arrival of Jesus is confined merely to our personal sentiments, what it means to us, what happens is that we miss the true awe and the wonder of his arrival. When we simply reduce it to me and mine, we miss the wonder of what Christ has come to do. It's not just you and yours, it's the world. He's come to say, that's what brings Simeon peace, that he came for all people. Simeon's blessing to the father also sees Simeon's longings are different because of the character of the man that's different. He was full of the spirit and thus his longings were filled with desires for a reigning savior. Not a comfortable life. That's not what brought him peace to die. Not a wealthy inheritance. That's not what brought him peace to die. Not a seat of prestige and power. That's not what brought him peace to die. None of these things would have brought him peace in death. Only the fulfillment of the promise concerning the Savior could. What brought Simeon peace, we see, is directly tied to his heart. His commitment to righteousness, his devotion to the Lord, his being led by the Spirit, all were connected to what in and of itself would bring him peace. So with that in mind, with that in mind, let's think for a moment on our own lives. What exactly would bring us peace in death? What exactly would, say, what, what exactly would give us the freedom to die satisfied? What would cause you to die a happy man or a happy woman? Would it be your 401k? Or for the government employees in the room, your thrift savings plan being maxed out? Would it be your kids going to college and finishing school and getting good jobs? Would it be you having your house paid off, your cars paid off, your debt paid? See, if we're being very honest with ourselves, the very thing that brings us peace at death could quite possibly be the thing that most satisfies us in life. The thing that would one day, that, that we would one day die happy with is quite possibly the thing that we are today living for. Are you tracking with that? If our hearts are pointing towards anything else for eternal satisfaction, I want you to ask the Lord not to be content with that being. If your heart needs something else to say that you died satisfied, I would ask you to ask the Spirit of God to turn your heart. Ask the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, to give you the passion for His Savior, so that having the Savior would bring you satisfaction. Ask the Spirit of God to give you wonder and awe for Christ's salvation and what He has done in coming to this earth and dying for this world. Ask the Spirit to help you see the splendor of this child that they have brought into this temple. Simeon's second blessing is a blessing that goes to the son's earthly family, Mary and Joseph. 
See, we see in this story that the baby doesn't just allow Simeon to die in peace, but rather he is bringing peace. And so Simeon gives this proclamation about where the source or, or why he has peace as he dies. But he also then offers this promise, this prophetic promise uh, of a, uh, as he blesses this family. And this prophetic promise is tied to the promise of our peace. In this story, we see that Simeon can die satisfied, not just because he saw a child, but because he saw a child called the Lord's Christ, the Savior of the world, God's chosen and eternal King. Simeon died in peace because in his arms he was holding the one that they called the Prince of Peace. Simeon blessed them, Mary, Joseph, Jesus, saying to them, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign that is opposed and of sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Now I'll say this, and because because we as we as we look at this text, what we see is that Mary and Joseph are astonished at what they're hearing. As they hear Simeon tell them and share these things with him, right? Share these things with them, right? You know, because of course there's like a big battle about. You know, when people sing Mary, did you know at Christmas, people are like, Mary did know. And, and people are like, stop singing that. Mary did know. It's like, yes, yeah, she knew. But at the same time, it's still amazing, right? She's like, she's listening to it. And she's, she, she knew. The, the angel came and told her. And yet, Simeon's telling her these things. And she's like, man, this is impressive, you know? I mean, it's, it's still unbelievable to her as she is hearing all of these beautiful things about what her son has come to do, right? So go ahead and sing it, man. Sing it if you want to. We won't sing it tomorrow. But go ahead and sing it. Somebody, I mean, you can sing it at home. That's okay. That's okay. Because she is still taking all of this in, and it's still shocking her, even as she is hearing these things that, yes, she does know, and yet she's receiving it in new ways. And so here, here Simeon blesses this this family by telling them that this child is going to bring peace to the world by allowing for the fall and the rising of many in Israel. And that tells us something, doesn't it? It tells us that peace is often established one of two ways. Peace is established through hostile opposition being won over to friendship or it's established through hostile opposition being removed. Are you tracking? See, Simeon and his blessing of this family whose child is the son of God makes it a point to prophesy that the peace that this child will bring will not be solely sweet and kind sentiments. The salvation, the restoration, the redemption, the consolation will come to many, but it will come through conflict. It will come through hardship. It will come through many others falling. Are you tracking? Simeon appears to see Christ establishing peace by elevating those who humble themselves before God. The rise of many in Israel, the meek and the lowly and the poor in spirit and the humble, those who exist at the bottom, Christ will cause to rise if they humble themselves before him and they trust him with their salvation. But he also sees that there shall be a humbling for those who operate in pride before God. Those who exist to save themselves. Those who think that their own accomplishments are sufficient for their salvation. 
That's what the Beatitudes were about, right? Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus is talking, he speaks oftentimes about blessing, right? Blessed are they, blessed are they, blessed are they. Who are they? Who are the people that Jesus says are blessed? The high and the mighty, the proud? No. The powerful, the elite? No. Jesus says those that are blessed are those that are poor in spirit, those that are hungering and thirsting for righteousness, those that are mourning, those that make, those that are seeking to make peace, those that are extending mercy, those are the people that are blessed. The birth of the Savior signifies the beginning of a rebalancing of power. In this world, it seems sometimes that power is shifted on the wrong end, doesn't it? Seems like power is shifted on the wrong, in the wrong direction. It seems like the wrong people are getting all the comfort. Are you tracking? Do you scheme? Do you cheat? Are you arrogant? Are you merciless? It's so sign right up here for your blessing. That's how it seems, right? It's like, what in the world is going on? But the birth of the Savior means that this balance of power shall be righted. The arrival of this divine in a manger is a signal that a balance of power will eventually come. The lowly will inherit the earth. The prideful shall be humbled and the humble shall be exalted. And it will all happen not outside of this new baby, but through this new baby. The rise and the fall of many in Israel. Simeon can die at peace because he realizes that this baby will bring peace either through hostile opposition becoming humble hostile opposition being removed in their pride. Simeon says more than just a child will lead to the rise and the fall of many in Israel, but he declares that this child and king is appointed to be a sign to be opposed. Now think about it. Think about it. Christ brings humility to the elite, to the proud, to the powerful, to those that see their salvation within themselves, to those that are sufficient in themselves to save themselves. What do you expect to happen? Opposition. Great opposition from far and wide. That should not shock us at all. So Simeon tells that tells this to Mary and Joseph. He tells them that listen, opposition is coming to your child. The sort of disruption, when this kind of disruption comes to the powers of this world, whether it be physical, financial, political, or of course spiritual, when that kind of disruption comes to the powers of this world, it will not go unopposed. So according to Simeon, this opposition will not leave his mother unscathed. This opposition will leave his mother grieving. Look at verse 35. It says, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, talking to Mary. This most likely is pointing to the young Mary who was holding this child in her hands just a few weeks old and now hearing She's going to suffer because her child is going to suffer. I don't know how many of you guys have had the experience of holding your children at a young age, but this can't be pleasant for a child 40 days old for you to hear that your child 40 days old is going to cause you grief because he has to experience it. See, this child is going to be so fiercely opposed by the wicked and the powerful and the proud. He will be hung on a cross and left there to die. See, it is the piercing of her soul 
that leads to the consoling and the rescuing of ours. This mother's sorrow becomes this world's consoling. This mother's soul piercing becomes our soul redemption. While at the cross of Calvary, the cross of Calvary represents opposition, conflict, and the fall of the proud on one side. It represents, but it also represents on the other side, enemies becoming friends. It represents chaos being turned to peace. It represents the humble being elevated. It represents the broken being restored. Means it represents the hurting being healed. It represents the delivery of peace to all who claim Christ as Lord. This is the peace that Simeon waited his life for. This is the peace that led to Simeon being able to die in peace. And it's this peace that should be our peace. Amen. That as we think about the Christmas season and as we begin to contemplate how on earth can I live a life in peace during this holiday season. With so much going on, maybe I didn't have enough money to buy the gifts that I wanted to buy this year. You know, maybe I'm not going to get a chance to visit everybody I want to visit. Maybe I have nobody to visit. Maybe I have nobody to visit me. I want to encourage you, not with a piece of this world. There was a child 2,000 years ago who came to this world to ensure that no matter what you're experiencing right now, that when it is all said and done, everything will be made right. That you will experience a joy unspeakable. You will experience a, a peace that surpasses all understanding because it is found in him.